Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Stuff the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And if you're sitting in a chair, uncross your legs and please place your hands open on your lap. And if you're sitting at a couch or on the floor, just lean back and cross your legs and put your hands open on your lap. And just a reminder that if you're driving, don't close your eyes at all. Pay attention to the road and use this as a deep breathing exercise. So let's go ahead and begin. Just take a deep breath in with me and breathe in through your nose and allow your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of this breath. And as you exhale, just allow yourself to relax and go a little deeper inside of you. And on this next breath in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes, stretch your whole body to every cell, pure golden sunlight. And as you exhale, just relax and sink in a little bit deeper. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love pure love. Allow your whole body to feel love. Allow your heart to open with love. And as you exhale, let go of fear. Let go of any tension you feel. Just be here right now. This time as you breathe in, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart. And just think of one thing that you feel incredibly grateful for. It could be just this moment, this breath, just the simplest thing. And just breathe in that gratitude, filling your heart with pure gratitude. And as you exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. Well, I am so excited to begin this new podcast series, Real Life Heroes. And what I've really been doing is bringing to life some of the stories of some of the heroes that I've written about in my new book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy. There's just certain things I want to share with you about these people and these stories that will truly inspire you and give you the courage that you need to step into your own heroic journey, your own healing journey, wherever you may be in your life. So Christina Rasmussen is a really dear friend. Before I dive into her real bio, I'm just going to tell you that I am so honored to know this amazing woman and be able to call her a friend. And I met her on Twitter, of all places, years ago. (laughs) We were destined to meet and destined to be friends. We are 
sojourners on a soul journey that is so parallel, it's almost eerie. (laughs) Although I would consider her quite more remarkable than I myself. So we will talk about why in just a few moments. (laughs) I just love her so much. But Christina Rasmussen is an author, speaker, and social entrepreneur. She uses the basic principle of brain science and quantum physics to change the patterns and habits of grief. She writes a weekly blog on her secondfirst.com site and engages close to 600,000 followers on Facebook. Christina is also the founder of the Life Reentry Institute, where she trains corporations, social workers, therapists, guidance counselors, and hospice workers to take people from loss to life reentry and beyond. Her life reentry model is currently being considered for a three year brain study by the Kessler Foundation. She's the best-selling author of Second First and is currently working on her next book, Where Did You Go?, which will be released by Harper One on October 16th. She is the founder of the space platform, Star Letters, where she helps people find humanity in the cosmos. Christina believes that in, it believes that in the future, we will learn how to intentionally use our consciousness to create our physical reality. In her spare time, she is writing her first novel and is planning another visit to NASA for research. Do you love that in her spare time? <laughs> Cracks me up. We really know this woman. There is no spare time. Believe me, I've tried to call her on the spare time moment. It's not happening unless it's planned. <laughs> Welcome, Christina Rasmussen. <laughs> oh, my God, Chris. I love you. Thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. And I was listening to this introduction. I'm like, who is she talking about? There's someone else here. So I love you. And I, I, am, I will always remember our Twitter conversation uh, all these years ago. And then we became fast friends and our journey and our timeline as well. Um, both Richard and Diana died in the same year, um, yeah. 11 years ago. Um, and our journey has been similar and uh, extraordinary and, and wonderful. And I'm very blessed to call you one of my best friends, Chris. And I'm, and I'm so glad to be here. Well, I, I had to have you on the podcast because of all the people I've ever known, you know, you are totally the hero and you have walked the hero's journey. And I know it's, it, you know, in the beginning, it was really, really tough, but I would really love to start there with your story about your loss and, you know, the fact that you were an immigrant too, and you had two young daughters. And so let's start there. Tell us about what you went through and, and how you got to where you are today. You know, the immigrant part, I forget sometimes, but it's true. We, we were, we moved uh, from England um, to Houston, Texas in 1999. Um, and he was from Denmark and I was from Greece. And we had no friends. Um, we have no family in the U.S. And we started our life um, and everything was wonderful. Uh, we were in love. Um, we um, got pregnant. We had two beautiful daughters. And we moved from Texas to California, then to Boston, and about, um, I would say, five or six weeks into our Boston um, move, he found um, a a lump on his neck, um, and uh, the biopsy showed stage four metastatic colon cancer, and he was only 31 years old. Oh, my gosh. 
He was so young. And you were so young. Yes, that was 30. He was 31. Um, Isabel, my younger youngest daughter, was nine and a half months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alina was two and a half years old um, when the diagnosis took place. So it was, um, I remember, and I share this moment with people, <laughs> as I, we were sitting in front of our doctor and they called us in to just talk about the results. We didn't know what was happening. And she said that it was um, metastatic cancer and it was not looking good. I remember I dehydrated um, the news of that and what it meant and what it what it was it was what she was telling us was incre- incredibly devastating. That all of the water in my body just um, all I all I said was get me some water, and I realized how all the people faint in movies <laughs> uh. when they. That's because I used to always, you know, we see people faint from the news or something. I guess all of your water, just uh, the shock of, of news, it was so devastating. Um, and after that day, our life changed, and we went on a journey. Um, you know, that was very difficult. Um, all the treatments failed. Um, we were at Dana-Farber in Boston for a long time. And then one day he decided to try this experimental drug in the Philippines. <laughs> I should write a whole book about that, Chris. <laughs> oh, I know. Did you take your kids with you to the Philippines? No, we, the girls were so young. My mom flew in from Greece um, and stayed with them for six weeks. And we went to the Philippines um, the drug didn't work. Uh, he nearly died there. Um, I lied to the airlines and the doctors. I told them I was bringing him back into the hospital. Instead, I took him to the airport and lied to the check-in desk right there. Um, and I put him on the plane and we, we came back home and we just made it. Uh, he, ne- he really nearly died there. He had two blood infections and a bowel obstruction as he was traveling back home. Oh, wow. So I know it feels like a, a superhero <laughs> story. And I, I couldn't believe we made it back. Um, uh, and then he died about five months after that uh, in 2006. So your journey has been, you know, in, in my mind, you know, I call you a hero, you know, because of how you've taken your loss, you know, and you've, you've, you just shared a very devastating story, you know, and, and yet you've taken your loss and you've transformed it into something really huge that gives back to humanity. And so, so much of what I believe that we go through when we just, we, we don't even necessarily choose to be the hero consciously. It's just something that there's a choice that we make um, somewhere along the way to overcome or to take what we've what we've gleaned from our experience and, and give our lives greater meaning. Would you not agree? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, of course, you know, the, it was so devastating that um, we became, and I know for you as well, Chris, when something like this happened to us, we had to become completely different human beings um, and our purpose and mission in life had to change dramatically. It went from, we went from our own, you know, mission to take care of our kids and our, ourselves and maybe our neighbors and friends to um, to give something back to the whole world. And I know you you work from there and operate from there, but loss, as you say in your book, uh, so well changes changes you and, yeah. and it changes the, the the path and the the journey that you're that you're on. What do you think it is that? Um, 
allows one person to choose to allow their loss to make them a better person versus a person who who has the same loss but they can never overcome it they just don't they don't ever come out of it what what is that that's that's a good question isn't it it really is a good question and um i think the the way that the brain tells us a lot of things um, and also our personalities and our attitude towards life and who we are before the loss is actually really important. Um, there are people who experience something so devastating and they find courage um, and strength to take care of themselves and take care of the world. And there are other people who are stuck and they never find the strength to even take care of themselves. So I think that people who make it... Um, make it out uh, in what I call the waiting room, from the waiting room, the people who make it out from there, from the place between two lives, they actually uh, have a very good chance at helping the world. And the people who can't uh, help themselves and can't exit the waiting room, um, it's not that they don't want to help the world. It's just that they are not well and they're suffering and they can't even find their way to help themselves, never mind the whole world. And that's the people um, that we want to help. Uh, get them out first for themselves and then and then for the gifts that they can give to the world yeah that that is so well defined and so well answered by you thank you i i've thought about that so much about you know what makes a person more resilient and you know often i mean people ask me all the time how can you really prepare for loss and i always say you prepare for loss and how you live today and you know how you are in this life right now and how you what you're practicing and how you live your life will will be very indicative of how you go through loss and how you come out the other side that's exactly it's exactly very beautifully put on your part and you know i i what i want people to know about you is that you know here you are this young widow with two very small children who now are you know, five years old and what, seven and four and six. There were four, four and six. six. Yeah, yeah, four and uh, six. And and here you've lived your whole life as a family with him ill. And now you've got to pick up the pieces and you have to move forward with, you know, and be the provider. You had no money. You were in a in a foreign country. I mean, they couldn't have been harder, seriously. <laughs> but but that's why you're such a hero in my mind. That's why, you know, you took what you took this, this horrific situation and, and, it, and you allowed yourself to make huge changes in your life. And what I want people to know is you're just such a visionary leader. Like you, you have such incredible vision and the ability to um, manifest that vision from start and, and the ability to stick to it, you know, that, you are really out to change the way the world deals with grief and loss. And you're really able to show people how to start their lives over. And, you know, let's talk about some of the things that you're up to because it's, it's pretty phenomenal what you're doing. I mean, it's just, it's just nothing short of, it takes my breath away every time I, you know, think about what you've, what you've gone through. I mean, I, I've written a book, but you've created a whole movement. You've created a whole inspiring 
life-changing, you know, life starters movement. And I just think that's so incredible. So let's tell everybody what you're up to. Um, And Chris, thank you for the kind words. I feel like um, the movement will, will happen when, when every hospital and hospice and therapist and social worker and doctor will will provide life reentry services and benefits to to the people who have lost um, someone they loved. Um, but when when it when everything happened, I didn't see myself like this. And I want to and for all the people who are listening today, um, I didn't think any of this was going to happen. I didn't see myself as a hero. I didn't see myself as as anyone, I, I was actually worried about how to provide uh, health insurance for my kids. And I was calculating how much money I would need to make every year all the way to their 18th birthday so I could provide for college for them. Um, and, and I was young and I had never worked in this country. Yeah. I never made a penny in this country. Um, and I re- remember thinking very clearly at the time, I wish it was me that had died and not him for two reasons. One was because it would have been easier. I thought um, that if I had died, I wouldn't have to suffer losing him. And number two, he was the one with the job. Uh, And then he was also the one who was really good at math. (laughs) And that was a really (laughs) big deal for me because I, I really, one of the things I call them invisible losses, as you know, one of the things that I would worry about is like when my kids do math at school, I won't be able to I had the same worry, believe me. Story problems have never been my <laughs> strong suit. <laughs> you know, and I was like, if he was here, they would be getting A's in math. And actually, they still get A's without my help or his help, or I guess he's helping from a different place. But, but well, I went. He helped with the genetics. They drew from his it, DNA and not yours in that capacity. They got lucky. It's not true. <laughs> when, when Isabel and Elena get A's in math, I'm like, this is definitely not coming from me. I'm the opposite <laughs> of the complete opposite. But the things you worry about when, when something catastrophic happens to your life and whether it's a death or a divorce or whoever's listening, losing your job or being rejected, abandoned by the people you love, whatever that is for you, you could never imagine finding the strength to create uh, and build a a life that is even bigger than the life that you left behind. And I want to make sure that everyone knows at the time, and for a long time after, I didn't feel or see or uh, imagine that I would ever be able to do this. But about, um, and I made a lot of wrong decisions. And and that, and that's, <laughs> that's what I've, I've uh, wanted for people to not do, to not make their own decisions. I made a, a decision based out of fear, and what I call the survivor self, uh, the part of us that's trying to keep us, um, keep us um, uh, protected. Yeah, protected yeah. from the bad things that are supposed to happen. But about two and a half years in to the journey, I came up with the word second firsts, which was my first website. Um, and then about four and a half years after, I uh, resigned from my corporate job that I took out of fear um, and started to write and started to engage with people. And I wrote my first book in 2013, um, second first. Um, and then I started teaching life reentry and helping people overcome their losses. Um, and then I visited NASA and, you know, Go ahead. You're going to say something, Chris. Was there a conscious pivot, do you think? Like, did you ever just 
did you ever just decide at some point that you would, you had had enough of being a certain way or, or I'm just, you know, I'm wondering, did you make a conscious choice, you know, to be the hero? Did you make a conscious turn in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was when, when I was choosing to go to this job that I hated so much because I, the only reason I was there was to make sure that my kids had a future. Um, and there was food on the table and, and that was the only, the only reason why I was there. And, um, it took, and for anyone who's listening, who working a job they hate or, you know, that they, they know they should be somewhere else. Just know that leaving that job is one of the most courageous and hero inspired uh, step that you will ever take. Cause it's, it's a very hard thing to do. And at the time when you're in it, you think that's the only world for you, that cubicle, that, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, that, that, that it's the most important thing. And I remember, I remember making my decision in the kitchen and I cried because I had worked really hard at that job. I really, really wanted to be promoted for the, you know, all the, the things that all the, all the experiences. And I made the decision. I cried. And then I walked in, that was a Sunday. I walked in on Monday and resigned and my, I exited the waiting room for the first time then, uh, and it was in 2010, and Biana had died in 2006. So think about the length of time that I was suffering with, with the really terrible um, moments in my life. I hated every, every day going into that job. Well, and that, that's such a profound um, you know, thing to distinguish here, too, is, is that you can make the choice at any time that you become aware that you absolutely, you know, you absolutely must for your own sanity. I mean, and that's the thing, like we don't, I believe that we like, we leave her back and forth between, you know, feeling a certain way of maybe even feeling victimized by our circumstances and then feeling empowered. And we go back and forth to these places and we make the choice all the time, but it's so, it's so helpful to hear stories like this because then you know that it's not as if everyone chooses in the beginning. I did. I did. I chose in the beginning, but then I think I knew to choose like I knew. And that was the difference that I had the consciousness. I knew that I could choose that for myself. And, And it didn't mean that I didn't suffer. It didn't mean that I didn't go through grief. It just meant that I didn't, I, w- I wasn't going to be at the affect of my circumstances. As and I didn't know, I didn't know. You didn't and, and know. I had no, no awareness. I had never, could never possibly imagine any of the things that, that took place since 2010. And, and I think, and actually what you're saying is so important. You have, yes, you did suffer. Yes, you, you grieved. Yes, you went through very painful moments and experiences, but you had the consciousness, and I love how you said that, to, to choose all the other grief that I went through, choosing, making their own decisions on top of the big, the big loss, right? And, and I think a lot of people actually, um, they, don't, they can't make that call in the beginning. And it's, no. it's very sad uh, for me and for them. Um, and the way that, because you add on top of everything that you're going through, you add all this other horrible things that are taking place. So yes, if you are five years into your journey, three years, 10 years into your journey, like whatever you are, uh, know that you can still make that decision. Um, yeah. It's and, not something you, you're, you're, and it's that decision that you're always making, isn't it? It's like the same decision that you make to 
bring your awareness to the present moment. It's not like you wake up one day and say, oh, today I'm going to be present. You have to constantly be choosing that. And there's so many things that are like that in our, you know, the way our psyche works, the way our psychology is. We're always choosing, you know, we're levering back and forth between being positive and being negative, between being feeling pity for ourselves or feeling sorry for ourselves and feeling empowered. And I think that's, that's really an important distinction to make because, you know, it, 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 it is like not something that you are always doing or always there and you don't have to feel sh- any shame for wherever you are on your journey, that that you are where you are and that you can choose a different path at any time. But uh, it's really helpful to be aware that there is a different path. Well, Christina, tell us about your life starters. What's that all about so that people can find you and find out? Because I know that this audience is going to want to know about your community and become involved. And it's so powerful. So the life starters are no longer here. Uh, they have, they, we've, um, we believe in a world where, you know, um, Facebook has given us access to all these support groups and, um, and I life started used to be a membership site, um, that is no longer there. Um, okay. the, the life Reentry Institute has taken over that, um, life reentry Institute. See, I'm not even up to pace. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the life reentry Institute, which is a training and development organization for, professionals um for mental health professionals specifically and we're training training them to provide life reentry um um, and and up until now i used to deliver life reentry classes as you know but um but that's about that's changing now and uh we have a life reentry event that's coming in june but um but from now on uh, my number one priority is to to help to train professionals to do life reentry um, in the world, so um, it's so it's not it's not on on if I'm not it's here. Not just day, about you. It's, it's about you're giving about your me. you're giving your work a lift, and and yes. you're allowing people to take what you've brought to the world and and expand it. And that's beautiful. That's 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 a a real elevated place to live from. I mean, truly elevating the work and. Um, and then when you want to walk away and become a painter and just a novelist, <laughs> which I know is deep in your heart. Oh my God, this woman is so talented. I, I want to put, I always want her paintings when I go in her house and she's, she just kind of doesn't even talk about any of her other things she does, but she's also working on a, a novel, a beautiful novel. And I just, what I love about you, Christina, is there's just no limitation to what you're able to accomplish and do. And, you know, maybe time, time is like the only limitation that any of us have really, but it's the only one that probably slows you down even slightly. But I think what's beautiful is your evolution is so obvious. Like you're here to make the maximum amount of this life you have and you will give back so much and you have given back so much. I just love that about you. and, you know, Chris, I learned and, and it was great. And I was able to help so many people doing life reentry directly to, to the, the audience and the world and it, the incredible work and classes. This is the first time actually publicly saying the, that I, I will no longer be doing life reentry work directly. I will 
the only thing I will be spending my time doing is training the professionals to do the work. And, um, and that's the only way that if something happens to me, this will survive me. And, um, uh, and no matter how many people reach directly, there's no way I could reach the millions of people that all these professionals can reach together. So, so that's, true. that's why life started is not here anymore. Um, and, um, and I believe that this is the only way forward. Um, so yeah. This is, yeah, the professional. Look at that. The professional. This this woman is so busy. Just from one dinner to the next, everything changes. (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. Look at that textbook. Woo! Mm -hmm. Uh, We're on a, we're, you guys won't be able to see that, but she just showed me, we're on a Zoom call and she just showed me this really beautiful, huge textbook. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, Christina Rasmussen, you are my hero and I have just adored and loved you from the moment I met you. And I just, I applaud everything that you're doing and the world is a better place because you're here and you're in it. And I just applaud how you have transcended your loss and you have become the hero that the world is waiting for. And I'm, I'm just so honored to know you and thank you so much for being on this podcast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. And, and, you know, the message that I want to leave everyone with is that, you know, this journey after loss is not just a moment, um, an event, a year, it's, it's a continuous journey. And that, you know, um, your, you know, the, your, the hero's journey, that's what it is, just like your book says. And you have to be the hero of your own life um, every year, every week, every day, um, and to make the decisions um, that you need to make first for yourself so we can we can then help everyone else because if we can't help ourselves and just, as you said, my own evolution is actually important that I get to, to do the things I want to do so I can help more people because I'm happy. I'm the one who's happy. So thank you for having me. And I love it. Thank you, Christina. And I just want to appreciate all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Come back again. Um, Don't sweat the small stuff. Live the big stuff. And we'll be doing this um, Real Life Heroes uh, podcast for the next few weeks. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Live the big stuff. Christine's new book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, is available at all major booksellers. Visit fromheartbreaktowholeness.com with your receipt of purchase to receive some fabulous free bonuses. That's from heartbreaktowholeness.com.